Hi, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I have another announcement. Just wanted to give you some more details about Scott Tusa coming to town. It will be on Friday, October 26th from 6 to 8 p.m. And that'll be held at Chicago Mindful Psychotherapy, which is in Andersonville. That night, the talk will be called The Heart of Compassion, Looking Towards Finding Ease. And that evening will be a $20 suggested donation. And if anyone is looking for CEUs, that will also be $20. And then the next day, Saturday, October 27th, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., we'll be doing a half-day meditation intensive called Awakening Together, the Practice of Relational Awareness. And that is $75 or $95 if you would like CEUs. So if you're interested in joining us for this event at the end of October, please visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com. There you'll find all the information about the when, the why, the how much, and you'll be able to buy tickets there. So we really look forward to meeting with you if you are anywhere in the Chicagoland area on October 26th and 27th. Today, we're going to be speaking with Charlotte Alea, and I first heard about Charlotte from the creative imposter, Andrea Clunder's podcast. Side note, I'm realizing the more I get into podcasting, what a small world it is and the interconnectedness of all the people, and it's quite incestuous in a very positive way. So I'm really excited to have met Charlotte in the first place. I reached out to her actually after I heard her episode of The Creative Imposter. So if you're curious about that, I would definitely go to The Creative Imposter and listen. And I reached out to Charlotte because she was talking about tarot on that. And I don't think we even talk about tarot at all in our episode. But it was so fascinating to me the way that she spoke about it was essentially a tool that we can use to sort of kind of get some validation about what it is that we're experiencing or potentially get some direction. But it's basically an extension of one's connection with your higher self, with your higher purpose, with the divine, that sort of thing. And I felt this way actually still recently too, that there's something that I'm supposed to create that's mine that I don't know quite yet how to birth. I've been working on this intensive outpatient with my business partner and a lot of the, I guess, creative pieces behind it are really his. And I do talks all the time about, you know, Brene Brown's work or Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion. And I, I've been having this sense that I'm supposed to do something of my own and I don't quite know what it is yet. And as I'm saying that, I'm realizing I'm talking to a podcast audience and I created this podcast that's just mine. So, <laughs> so if you're listening thinking, what? Like you're doing it already. <laughs> I guess there's something else that I think I'm supposed to be doing as well. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I am now. Anyway, Charlotte Alea is a worthiness coach, transformation guide, and emotional healer. She helps sensitive and soulful women get to know who they really are and unleash their light and true brilliance. She has a background in both traditional psychotherapy and spiritual intuitive methods. And she helps her clients transform deep wounds of invisibility and unworthiness into love, trust, and wisdom. I think you'll very much enjoy this conversation today. So without further ado, please listen. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. 
so excited and honored to be here with you today, Sarah. Yay, me too, me too. Well, why don't you start out with telling the listeners who you are and what you do? All right. So this transforms every day, by the way, because part of what I am is a transformation coach and Mm -hmm. guide. So I am always shifting and changing a little bit, making tweaks to what I say that I do. Right now, I'm calling myself a worthiness coach because in essence, I help mostly women get to know who they really are and get to know their real self-worth. Damn. I was pausing because I'm like, shit, I need to hire you. (laughs) (laughs) And you've done a trillion, billion different things. How did you arrive at worthiness coach? It's because I realized that my own entire journey up to this moment in time in my life has all and everything to do with how much I valued my own presence, my own gifts, and how much I loved myself, how much I was willing to put myself first, how much I was willing to build a home for myself within myself that I wanted to hang out with. Mm. Okay, so how'd you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? So let me give you the winding journey. Yeah, please, please. (laughs) And I think one of the questions you asked is like, how did you decide to do what you do, right? And when I was thinking about that question, I was like, you know, it wasn't that I decided because actually way back when, a few years after I graduated college, I trained as a traditional psychotherapist, Mm -hmm. got my degree, you know, it's like 3,000 hours to become licensed in the state of California. So I was about 1,000 hours in. And this is what I always believed I was meant to do. Like, I always Mm -hmm. believed I was meant to be a healer, a therapist, a social worker, you know, in the helper profession. Mm -hmm. So I got my degree two years into actually doing the work with clients. I burned out. And I blamed it all on myself. I was miserable. I was overwhelmed. And I was constantly judging myself and telling myself how awful therapist I was. And even though I wasn't, I wasn't an awful therapist. I mean, obviously, yeah, I, had ways, obviously. <laughs> I had ways to grow, but I wasn't an awful therapist. But I couldn't get out of the space of feeling really overwhelmed by my clients' symptoms and experiences because I'm highly empathic and intuitive. Yep. And then my, all my mentors would tell me, Charlotte, you just need to build better boundaries. And because I couldn't understand what that meant, mm. I couldn't integrate that into who I was. I thought that I was the problem. I wasn't cut out for this work. Mm. I was constantly blaming myself for everything that was happening, setting expectations of myself far beyond my own capacity. Mm. And so I burned out and I left. And I went a drastically different direction. <laughs> I decided I didn't want to help people anymore. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> those guys. <laughs> seriously, I know. I know it sounds really drastic, but I literally was. This is around when I was like 27, 28. It was like around my Saturn return. And I was like, I don't want to help people. <laughs> wow. And I went into marketing. I became a marketing professional. And several years into that, I was so miserable, so depressed because I was completely denying who I really was. Yeah. So what happened was, eventually burned out of that too. And 
went on a journey of discovering who I really was. And so it wasn't really that like I decided to do what I do. It's really that I was step by step called into it. Yeah. Called in this journey. Every time I discover another piece about who I really am and reclaim it, then I fit that into how I can now offer this to the world, to my community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the intuitive stuff too. Yeah. Like I keep waiting for you to be like, yeah, yeah, and I'm intuitive and I use tarot cards and all that kind of stuff. So talk about the <laughs> woo-woo because I love that. And I think a lot of our listeners do too. Okay, awesome. So let me go to my wake-up call because I think a lot of us reach these points right? Where we're doing something that we're not supposed to be doing in the world. And then yeah. it's a big old, you know, wake up call slap in the face, right? Mm-hmm. So I was actually working at a part time minimum wage job in the retail industry, because I had given up. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, there's just not any job out there for me. I can't be a therapist. I can't do marketing. I don't know what the hell I want to do. So I'm just going to do this. And by night, I was like, wrapped with fear and just overwhelmed with unworthiness and just feeling really, really depressed and just begging the universe to like give me some kind of answer. Hmm. And then I got fired. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got fired and I never gotten fired before. And I was mm. like, okay, message received. Mm-hmm. I meant for something much greater than this. So at that point, I stopped trying. Like I stopped trying to be like, what should I be doing? What do I want to be doing? What is my job? Like, what is the job that I'm supposed to be doing? So I just gave that up. Mm. And I turned to things that I'd always just really loved to do. And some of those things were like tarot cards. Mm-hmm. So I got out my deck of tarot cards and I started just using it every day because I'd always just had this sort of like side interest in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I also started tracking my dreams because I've always loved like, studying my dreams. And I started writing more because I just love to write. So I just Mm. started doing the things that I just like to do without putting like a dollar symbol next to it. And that's how it sort of grew. I mean, I just sort of followed where my heart wanted to go and what was like giving me a sense of joy and what was giving me a sense of being connected to me. So yeah, the more I used tarot and all these different intuitive tools, like I realized like, Wow. Okay. Yeah. You have this gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have this gift, Charlotte. No wonder you were feeling everything your clients were feeling. No wonder your supervisors who meant so well didn't get it. So that was also a big piece of reclaiming who I was and being able to realize that, that I was really meant to walk a much less traditional path mm-hmm. through this world. And that in itself is brave and courageous and so many Others are also meant to do that as well, but they just feel trapped into the square of what they're supposed to do. And that's exactly what I wanted to like stop you and talk about for a minute, because I feel like the shoulds and this idea that we're supposed to walk a certain path, this terrible infection in our country right now. Mm-hmm. And I see so many people, especially who are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, it's not it's not about addiction. It's not because you're an addict mm. and you're this insatiable, like can't get enough kind of person. It's because you're searching for who you are and that numbs out the pain or that yeah. makes it more fun. And I think that's really what's killing so many people. I see so much depression, so much anxiety. Mm. And it really, yeah, there's a little bit to do with neurochemistry, but it's so much more about what you're allowing yourself to be. And if you're not stepping into your true soul and heart's purpose, 
you're going to be fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be filling the void. So it sounds like it was a pretty organic growth for you, but I guess I'm curious for people who might be listening who are like, fuck, that's me. I'm not living my soul's purpose and I have mm -hmm. this thing I might want to do. How did you cultivate the courage? Because like you said, it takes a lot of bravery to be able to step off the treadmill is kind of what I always say to my clients. So how did you cultivate that for yourself? I think a really powerful word, especially for women, is permission. Mm. So often, we just don't give ourselves permission. It's like we need to actually like go back to being a kid and be given like a stack of permission slips and sign something that says like, you are allowed to take this amount of time out of this day to do this thing that doesn't equate to you receiving validation, mm -hmm. money, you know, list of things, right? That we think that the ego needs in order to survive. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the filling the void comes in, right? Because right. we're doing everything that we think that the ego needs to survive. Mm -hmm. And then the ego doesn't fill us and our heart is empty. And then we try to fill the void. So we need to give ourselves permission. And I think a lot of people talk about like kind of taking the big leap, you know, into the unknown and ditching your nine to five job. And I think that that's a very courageous way to do it. And some people do it that way. But most people, it's a gradual, like I said, mm -hmm. it's a gradual mm -hmm. process. It's a taking one step and then another step, and then another step. And I think that we can get really locked into the far future ideal, right? So yeah. we create this vision for ourselves, like in four years, I'm going to be living this life. And then we get so attached to it. And we don't really value the just little tiny steps to get there. And so all we really need to know is the next step in front of us. That's all we yep. need to know. Our desire, and that's another really important word because a lot of women don't even like allow themselves to yeah. feel their desire, to allow your desire to take you just like one little step, you know? So like sign up for like an art class, you know? Mm -hmm. Sign up for a meditation class, like start meditating every morning for like 30 minutes, you know, like one little step. You don't have to quit your job in order to live out your soul's purpose is kind of what I hear you saying, right? Like, yes, it can look drastic. And mm -hmm. for some of us, it does. And for some people, it can look like, yeah, taking that art class. So I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown. Yes. You know, I got trained in her work. So I do this. I do this shit all the time. And <sighs> one of the first things she talks about is permission slips and giving yourself permission mm -hmm. and the term is daring greatly, right? And so right. I always think about daring greatly is whatever that thing is that's just outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because if you're continuing to do the things that are inside your comfort zone, then you're going to you're gonna be status quo, whatever that means for you. But like, you know, you just told me before we started this, you went to a four-day conference and right. you had to really push yourself to keep up with the extroverts. And yeah. so that was just outside your comfort zone. And then yeah. you're able to come right back in your comfort zone. And just that experience alone grew you in a way that we don't know what that is going to bring to your yeah. life. But you certainly stepped outside just enough to do something different. Definitely. I love the way you put that. And I love the also the use of the word purpose because I'm sort of on a mission to like redefine like soul's purpose because I mm. think just that puts so much pressure. Yeah, true. You know, that mm -hmm. like, I'm not living my soul's purpose. And we can't even know what our soul's purpose is until we embark on the journey to discover it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 
I like to redefine soul's purpose is to be on the journey, is to actually embrace the journey. Mm -hmm. Your purpose right now is to sign up for that art class. That is your purpose. That's Mm -hmm. your only purpose. Mm -hmm. Just that is enough. You know, that comes back to like being enough. That thing that we all struggle with, it's never enough. No, that is enough. (laughs) Right. And you're right. That takes off so much pressure because like for me in particular, I feel like I have always known my soul's purpose, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Like when I was little, I thought I was going to be a famous rock star. Like that was my assumption because I was a singer and I knew I was really good and I knew Mm -hmm. that I was meant for something really big. But now that I have really grown in my career, I realize it's not that I was supposed to be famous in music and not even that I need to be famous. I think fame is actually a very scary, terrible word. But I am doing really big things and spreading a really important message of helping people learn how to take care of themselves and be the best version of themselves. And the visceral feeling that I get from what I do is the exact same feeling that I projected as a kid of what it would be like to be a famous rock star. So I know that I'm living my soul's purpose because that feeling resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all about the feeling, right? It's about mm-hmm. the emotion mm-hmm. behind the actual vision that you once had that really matters. Not just the emotional feeling, but the sensation, literally the, yeah. the physical sensation of, and it's in my solar plexus. So I know that it's my identity, right? Yeah. It's this I know who I am. I've always known, but kind of like you were talking about, it's like having the courage to truly step into that space. And I can tell you for me that I still can't do that without self-doubt and self-criticism, but at least my psyche and my ego has at least let me show up this far. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And let's talk about that because it's true. So there's this also an expectation that like you have to be free of your self-criticism and self-doubt right? to take a risk, right? Right. And that is just fucking bullshit. I mean, we always feel fear, self-doubt, self-criticism. It's always a part of it. It's just the shift is, and this is a really big shift that I work with my clients on, is how you relate to that part of you. Exactly. That is afraid is in self-doubt, is self-criticizing. You know, do you Mm -hmm. like freeze and you're like, oh my God, I'm self-critical, I'm in fear now. Or do you over-identify with that part of you Mm -hmm. and allow it to take you over? Mm -hmm. Or are you allowed to just be like, okay, hello, yes, I know. I know, it's okay. We're gonna do this together. Mm -hmm. I have your back. I understand why you feel this way. Can you like come into a compassionate relationship with this part of yourself? And realize that those self-doubts and those fears are legit. That part of you is very young and those Mm -hmm. fears are actually legit. And the other piece that people sometimes forget is that everybody has these. Yes. And if if someone tells me that they don't have these fears, then I'm worried that they're actually not connected to self at all. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Yeah. I mean, I've sat on the therapist side of the couch with enough people to know there is nothing unique in this world as far as feelings go. We all are feeling the same shit. We all feel alone. We all feel not good enough, you know, at times, obviously, not necessarily constantly, but everyone has struggled with these things. And so the whole idea of interconnectedness just makes so much more sense now that I I feel like I have this bird's eye view of humanity because of what I do. 
And I'm sure you do too, right? Yeah. That has given me a gift. And that's the empath gift, you know, because like you, when I'm going into that place of like feeling really lonely, feeling really separate, you know, kind of locked into my fear and self-doubt, coming into an intuitive empathic connection with all, then it allows me to sort of get out of it because I see and feel this is the same loneliness that everyone on this planet feels. This is the same separateness. And so if we're all separate, we're together in our separateness, you know, we're together in this part of ourselves that always feels separate. Ooh, so meta. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But the thing is, I know it sounds meta. And I think when we talk about it, it can get really like esoteric, but in the experience and, you know, as someone also who's intuitive and empathic in the experience of it, it's not. Right. It's so funny. Like, I feel like we could just continue having these philosophical conversations forever, but let's shift gears and... I'd really love to hear how you relate to the word healer as far as your own work is concerned. It's interesting. I've been starting to sort of reclaim that Mm. word. I think this is the reason why I had resistance towards it. Because healer sort of connotes that like I'm the one doing the healing. When Mm -hmm. as a healer, I help my clients heal themselves. And it's through healing myself that I help my clients heal themselves. Bam. Bam! (laughs) It's funny because, I mean, I've asked this question now at least 30 times and 95% of the time, this is the answer is that I am not a healer because I am a conduit. I want to reclaim that word and I want to give us as women, give us permission to take that word back because if we think about what the word healer connotes from a kind of top-down, kind of very masculine, like, I am doing this to you, I am bestowing healing upon you, that has been an abuse of what I think the word really is. And so fuck that noise. Yeah, We are healers because we are conduits. And I watched this movie. It was a French movie. I cannot remember the name of it, but essentially it was this chauvinistic guy who works in, in marketing and he's just a total dick. And at one point he gets hit over the head and wakes up in a world that's run by women. And the interesting thing that I found about the movie that I might not have thought of a couple of years ago was that the women were acting like men Mm. running the world instead of women acting like women running the world. And so that's why I'm really passionate about taking the feminine aspects of this word and let's change the way we think about it. Yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> yes. Good. And I think also the other piece of that is, I mean, being a healer is being a wooden healer, right? Because if we're taking that word back mm-hmm. yes. and reclaiming it and redefining it for ourselves, it means that if we need to heal ourselves before we can heal others, then we are wounded, right? Right. And our healing will never be done. Just like you said, we're not going to stop being afraid before it's time to make a change. We're never going to be healed completely before it's time to help and heal somebody else. Right. Yeah. Bam. We just solved all the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that, I mean, that is the really challenging part of reclaiming and sending the energy out to the universe, right? Saying like, I am a healer. Because when we make that commitment, mm-hmm. it is like we are in for it. <laughs> yeah. Because we start by healing some of the more external pieces of ourselves. We get into our mother issues. We get into our father issues. And 
once we have healed a lot of our own sort of this lifetime stuff, we start getting into our generational trauma. Mm-hmm. We start healing a lot of the stuff for the collective. And so we start going into the, some of the really deeper shadows of the collective. And that is the journey that just never ends. And that is yeah. the commitment. I mean, it is a commitment that like, if you are a healer, if you're willing to go there, if you're willing to go into those dark and painful parts of yourselves to bring yourself into wholeness, then you build strength and then you can go the next step and the next step. It does require acceptance that this is your life path. And coming back to that big word purpose again, but you mm-hmm. know, it, mm-hmm. it does require you sort of surrendering yourself to the greater whole. What you said about you know, we heal the stuff in this lifetime and then we get to the generational and then the collective. That just made me feel so much better because that is what I feel like I'm doing right now is really healing some generational stuff that's Mm -hmm. not mine. And I'm kind of trying to step into recognizing that the self-worth issue probably isn't really mine. Yeah. It's definitely a generational thing and and the way that the women in my family have shown up generation after generation. And I've said for so long that it's like, oh, I thought I worked on this and then it shows up a different way again. Yep. But it's not mine. You're right. It's not mine. But I do believe that in my family, I'm the one who's stopping the pain and I am going to do this healing work for myself that does heal the lineage behind me and in front of me, even though I'm not going to have my own children, my soul and spirit are going to keep moving on and will hopefully then continue to transmute the level of healing that, that I get to experience in this lifetime. I believe that too, Sarah, and I'm right there with you that I believe that I am also healing both sides of the lineages of Mm -hmm. my family one step at a time. And I even had an experience couple years ago, when I was sort of just beginning, not just beginning, but I was, I've done a lot of healing the last two years. Yeah, I was a little bit, you know, not quite as far along as I am now. And sort of just sort of taking on this big commitment to really start showing up in the world as I am not who I'm supposed to be. I was having lunch with a friend who is a psychic medium. So she connects to spirits of people who have passed. That's her spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes she has a hard time turning it off because yeah, spirits just um, talk to her. So they just, just come, lunch, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she had to, and I was talking, she's, and she had to interrupt me. And she's like, I'm sorry, Charlotte. I have to interrupt you because I'm getting a really strong message. And it's your paternal grandma. Mm-hmm. And she wants you to know that she's really proud of you and that you are healing the lineage of the family. Oh. And that you have been chosen, basically. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And this is so interesting because I was never close to this grandmother and it made me automatically so interested and fascinated on her, the wounds that she carried and her experience as a wife of a minister who had eight children living in the Midwest on a farm. Oh, Lord. Right. (laughs) She grew up as the city girl actually in Chicago and she had really abusive parents. And so she left home early. And she met a man and they moved to the country, my grandfather, and she lived someone else's life, I think, her entire life. Right. And so many of our grandmothers and mothers did that. Yeah. My mother did that. I don't think anything breaks my heart more than seeing somebody live a life that's not theirs. Yeah. Denial. 
out of survival, right? Right. Because that's the shift is that the reason why we now have the capacity to do this is that we're not in survival mode anymore. You're so right. Many of us, those that are, you know, wealthy enough, privileged enough, don't have to worry about feeding ourselves, feeding our children. So we can start to heal this stuff. Yeah, you're so right. I've thought about that from a racial standpoint before that oftentimes people who are in the self-actualization place are white because of privilege, but I never really thought about it from a generational standpoint, but you're right. Like my grandparents were survivors of the depression. Yeah. Literally survivors of that. And then of course the first generation after that suffers thinking about my family and my husband's family in relation to money was certainly fear, all fear-based. Oh, yes. Me too. Yeah. We don't have to be quite as fear-based because l luckily they were so fucking afraid they saved all their goddamn money and now, <laughs> now we can profit from that. Exactly. Yeah. No, same story. Yeah. I grew up middle class, but my dad treated us, our family and the money we had as if we were like poor. Like, exactly. I really didn't think same. that we had any money because my dad was so stingy and so afraid of spending money. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yep. <laughs> Well, so God bless the depression um, <laughs> for where we are right now. It's so fascinating because if I think about this like generational shift and the privilege that allows us to be where we are and the fact that there is a cosmic opening right now to create more awakenings, nothing is a fucking accident. The Great Depression yeah. was not an accident because we had to be in this space right now. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. That was my mind exploding. <laughs> In 50 years, we'll be like, oh, that whole Trump era thing, that wasn't an accident. <laughs> right. Yes. To talk about that for a minute, you really helped me through. It was probably about this time last year when Nazis were protesting and all that bullshit. I think so. Yeah. Which is funny since your name is Charlotte. And <laughs> there was some sort of moon situation happening. I'm terrible at astrology, so I don't remember. Yeah, I am too, actually. I'm totally amateur and I can never get the words right. But you did some sort of Facebook Live broadcast. And I remember I was at my friend's family cabin in the middle of the woods in Wisconsin. We had been looking at Facebook all weekend, looking at the awful things that were happening and just being like, why are we here? What is happening? And I don't remember exactly what you said, but basically it was... Things have to be broken down before they can get better again. And that was the message that you were getting from the astrology in the moment. And that made me feel like, oh, it's going to be okay, even if it's not okay. Yeah. It just takes a lot of internal balance to get to that mm -hmm. place. Because there's a part of it that's like, it's not fucking okay, right? Right. I mean, people are being hurt. People's lives are being destroyed. Mm -hmm. So it's not, in some level, it's just really not okay. And that's our human side. But then like to make it through and to not get completely stomped all over and like we want to just go and hide ourselves in a hole in the ground. And it's like requires us to kind of also hold the more spiritual point of view that mm -hmm. in the big picture, it will be okay. We have to go through this. We have to like expose and vent out all the darkness before we can start to heal. So right. it sucks, but also it's how it needs to be. Clearly, right? And that's what I always tell people about acceptance. You know, like 
I have to accept, the, and I always use child abuse because that's like the one thing everybody can agree is bad, right? So, <laughs> so I accept that child abuse happens. I don't like it. It's not okay. But I can't myself eradicate all of child abuse in the world, so I have to accept it. Yeah. Same with Trump. <laughs> yeah. Who is abusive. <laughs> and the more that child abuse is exposed, the more power we have to overcome it and to stop it. Right. Rather than not talking about it. Right. I always like to say self-awareness and awareness is always the first step. Mm-hmm. Can't jump into the healing place until we're totally fucking honest about, you know, raw and real, like everything mm-hmm. on the table. It's like when we relate to things within ourselves, when we're trying to heal something within ourselves, like being just totally real with yourself of how broken you may feel about how like messed up something might be about how ashamed you are, whatever it is, just being totally real with yourself, mm-hmm. as dark as that is. And it's the same thing when something externally is happening, right? Just being totally upfront and honest, having everything exposed. And I keep talking about this on this podcast, but denial keeps popping up in my mind. I see it clinically. I see it in people around me in my life. And I'm always curious about what it is that keeps some people in denial and what it is that forces some people to really recognize they need to go into that dark space. And I mean, it's certainly shame, I think. I'm wondering, like, what is that piece of courage? What is that piece of honesty? What is that piece? Like, because for me, it's literally, if I don't do this work, I will die. Like, I am compelled to heal myself. Right. Because I think, like we talked about, feeling like we're kind of chosen and this is what our life's purpose is. I guess I just like, I want to unlock that magic piece. Yeah. And I think that comes to like waking up. So I think that those of us who are naturally compassionate and intuitive and kind, right, we go more easily to that place. Yeah. And I think it's in a process because I do think that more and more people receive the wake up calls because I think another way to kind of get snapped out of denial is to have something really awful happen to yourself Mm -hmm. where all these problems in the world are impacting you personally. Yeah. That is happening to people. A lot of people don't have that big compassionate sort of gene within themselves, you know? And so they need that. They need to sort of feel it for themselves first. The training I was at this weekend, they used a metaphor of like popcorn, you know, there's some like early poppers. Mm. And then more people start popping the early poppers help, more people pop, 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 and eventually we're all going to be popping, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Well, I'm reading a book right now called The Leap, The Psychology of Spiritual Awakening. And basically, that's what he talks about is he's like, one day, everyone will be awake, and that will be the normal state of being. But right now, we are in this place where there are a lot of people that are awake and a lot of people that are not, and a lot of people that won't wake up in this lifetime. It's just endlessly fascinating. So a lot of the people who aren't awake, their kids will be awake. Right. I wanted to talk about one other thing around this process, because I think a lot of times we wake up to what's happening around us, right? So a lot of women right now are like, oh my fucking God, this is just not okay. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. You know, like more than ever, women are saying, I need to do something. I realize now that no one else is going to fix this for us. And so we need to step up, right? Mm -hmm. And then coming back to self-worth, right? And then all the inner demons come out. 
who are you to step up? Right. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm not courageous enough. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I just feel too, too this, too that, not enough this, not enough that. And we get frozen in fear. We get frozen in self-doubt. We get frozen in our demons. And so that is the process is that we wake up externally and then we need to wake up internally. Yeah. And that's the journey that in order to really show up in the world and be a healer in the world, we need to really, really show up first for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm really passionate about yeah. is helping people wake up within themselves so that they can show up in the world. I feel like we could just keep talking forever. <laughs> I mean, there's a million other things you could say, but is there anything in particular that we didn't talk about that you're like, ooh, I want to make sure to mention this? The only other piece I want to mention is don't model yourself after anybody else. Mm. You know, allow yourself to be inspired, allow yourself to be guided, but always search for the truth within yourself because. Mm. And this comes back to my spiritual belief that I think that we're all supposed to be very unique little aspects of the whole. Mm -hmm. And what each one of us has to contribute is different. And so that is part of our mission Mm -hmm. is to really begin valuing how we are different rather than how we are the same. Yeah. And Brene Brown talks about belonging versus fitting in. And I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So one other thing I want to make sure that we get in before we end is who is invited to seek out your services? Like, how would someone know that you would be a good fit working with them? If there's a part of you that really wants to make positive changes in your life, but for whatever reason, stuck or scared or blocked. And if you are on a journey to discover who you really are, you know that you're living your life based on a lot of lies, but you just don't really know how to break through those lies and get to who you really are, mm. then I can most definitely guide you through the process. Awesome. Well, Charlotte, you're fucking fantastic. <laughs> you're fantastic. I'm Jayla, fantastic. <laughs> it's like we're civil <laughs> sisters. <sighs> I think we are. I have found so many soulmates through the podcast that is just so fucking cool. Like meeting people and talking to people that I never would have met otherwise unless I was doing this. So I feel like this is such a cool blessing that I've been able to step into. So I am really grateful that you wanted to do it. Yeah, I am too. Got the nudge. I reached out. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really, I'm holding my hands in my heart now because I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful, too. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for being a guest on the show today. It was truly wonderful to be with you. And thanks, as always, to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, Liam O'Donnell for the album art photo, and Ben Mueller for our theme music. For more information on Charlotte, you can visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast. And as always, you can find Conversations with the Wounded Healer on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. Mm-hmm.